So I took that advice and I quit Fox. And that's where basically my whole career kind of blew up. And I'm very glad I made that change. If you are a creative in the entertainment industry looking for inspiration and practical ideas about how to take the next steps in your career, you are in the right place. My name is Rebecca Doyle and I work in film and television in Los Angeles. I learned so much from the ups and downs of the talented, innovative people surrounding me and I want to share those insights with you. Join in every other week to hear the break-in stories of people who overcame challenges and found unconventional avenues to pursue their dream careers in an industry that has no set path. Okay, so today's interview is going to be especially useful for people who need to proactively make a change to get in line with their passions. Our guest today is sharing her real world experience of how she made the leap away from a shiny, stable studio job to pursue her creative passions in editing, how she initiated conversations about raises and creating new positions when she was not totally professionally fulfilled, took control when facing a negative spotlight, and proactively learned skills in content creation and being on camera even when it didn't come naturally at first. Why be Chang is a senior editor for YouTube and comedy group The Try Guys. In traditional media, she recently edited her first episode of television for the Food Network on the show No Recipe Road Trip, starring The Try Guys. Formerly an editor at BuzzFeed, she is her own content creator with over 400,000 followers across her Instagram and YouTube channel, where she creates content mostly exploring food, lifestyle, and culture. If you're listening to this episode close to its release, YB is recently just married to her husband, Herbert, so she has been creating a lot of wedding content as well. She is a graduate of USC's School of Cinematic Arts, and she started her career as a digital consultant at Fox before deciding to take the leap and pursue her creative passions. Personally, YB never ceases to amaze me with her positive outlook and how much she designs her life so that it's truly enjoyable across both professional and personal realms, and I cannot wait for you to hear her story. Let's jump into the interview. YB, thank you so much for having me out to PB today. Yes, of course. Welcome. So we'll start with what's currently going on that you're excited about. There are a few things I want to talk about here. Congratulations on getting your first network TV credit as an editor. Can you tell me about that show? Yes, thank you. Okay, so basically I work for the Try Guys, which is a big YouTube channel, and they got a TV deal with Food Network. So it was a program called no recipe road trip with the try guys and i got to edit one episode of it and it was really cool because i haven't done like an official tv episode before so i got to work with total different team with new producers um and i got to edit on avid which was not so fun but because i'm used to premiere now but yeah i had that experience it premiered on food network it was amazing and you were kind of the expert editor in some ways for that creatively because you've been editing the show no recipes that they had created for youtube at this point yeah so try guys have a show called without a recipe which they do every year every christmas and it's their cooking show they basically cook something without a recipe and judges will judge them after so No Recipe Road Trip was very similar version of that, except they were kind of traveling on the road and they would go to different states and try different restaurants' foods and try to remake them. So the other editors who are doing the other episodes have never worked with Try Guys before, so they didn't know their style particularly. So I did have a little upper hand on that, that I knew how the Try Guys comedy worked, how their timing worked. But my challenge was I was dealing with new directors and producers who wanted things their way too. So it was kind of trying to satisfy both people at the same time, but it worked out. So how did that work? Did the Try Guys get a cut with you? And then after that, there were notes from 
the director and producer. No, so the Try Guys didn't get to leave any notes. That was a thing. So it was total under control of the network. But they kind of trusted my instinct too. So they let me do, you know, make most of the decisions, put in the Try Guys style while still listening to their notes. So that was on me, like on me to kind of make it a Try Guys style. But the Food Network team was giving me notes. Mm. And other than editing on Avid, were there any substantial differences in the editing? I would say Avid was the biggest difference just because it's, once you're used to Premiere or any other programs, really, Avid, we learned it back in college. But that's the last time I used it. So that was forever ago. And just getting back into it was so hard. Like something that would have taken me five minutes to do in Premiere, it would take me 30 minutes. So the first week was really rough, just trying to like learn all the shortcuts again. I had to Google and watch YouTube tutorials and a bunch of stuff. Uh, but once I got used to it, it was back to normal speed again. So that was a major thing. The other Another thing was we had to work with some kind of supervisor that kind of helped me along the process. He kind of acted like my assistant editor as in he was pulling clips for me that I needed, but he would also give notes before it got sent to the bigger people. So that was a new experience. It was kind of like co-editing, even though he wasn't an editor. So would you request the clips and then he would pull them? Or? Yeah, he would pull them and he would also give notes knowing, like predicting what the producer or director would want because he's used to working with those people. And he would help me in many sense, but also it felt like I wasn't doing things by myself, which I'm used to. So that was a challenge I had to get used to. Yeah, because as the editor for the Try Guys, you're doing the picture edit and then also adding music and sound yeah. editing and doing graphics. What was that like having other people manage those specialties? It's just different. It's not better or worse, I would say, because there are some better things as in they do all these like annoying little tasks for me, like pulling selects and finding music that I need. But also at the, on the other hand, I am so used to doing everything myself that when I have to get approval to do every single thing, it is kind of, it takes more time. Yeah, I think that's probably a common difference between more traditional media and yeah. kind of new media creator type content. But I just want to highlight the fact that it sounds like in terms of the creativity of editing, besides the additional opinions, the skills really were the same as what you were doing in digital and you were very well prepared to take yeah. that leap. Yeah, I think knowing the guys really helped because I already know the characters. I already know that they're going to this like personality. They have their own story throughout the video. So I just stuck to that, which is what we usually do in the digital video anyway. So in that sense, it wasn't that different. It was more of the getting notes process, getting the videos prepped. So all the technical stuff was different, but the editing creativity wise, digital and TV, I didn't see much difference. Mm, definitely. And so that series came out a little bit ago. Mm -hmm. You also have a series that came out more recently, Phoning It In. Yeah, so um, other than Without a Recipe, which is our biggest show during Christmas, we tried a new series called Phoning It In. And that was the most complicated show I've ever edited in my life because how it works is that two guys are cooking, but they're cooking in the same room. So they're like filmed together. But they're on the phone with two chefs in another room. So the two chefs are calling from another room, talking to each of the guys, giving them directions. So the guys don't know what they're making, the chefs do, and they give them directions. The guys have to follow whatever directions they say and cook the food. So we have like so many cameras going on at the same time and I can't even edit them together because they're all talking over each other. So I would have to separate one guy and the chef and their own section and the other guy and his chef 
in their own section. So I would have to duplicate the sequence like three different times and edit them all separately and puzzle them together. It was just very complicated in a one timeline, but it turned out really good, I think. And the concept is amazing. So I recommend people to go watch it. <laughs> That's on the Try Guys YouTube channel, right? Yes. I edited just one episode. It was the butter episode. So they make donuts, I think. It's called Try Guys Ruin Donuts or something. Okay. Okay. Go check it out. Edited by YB. And then the last thing that's very exciting that's upcoming, we're recording in mid-April, but by the time this is released, it'll be mid-May and just a few days away from your wedding. (laughs) Yes, our wedding is coming up. I'm very excited. And there is a lot of preparation that goes to it that is obviously not editing related, but very exciting to talk about. And if you go to my personal channel, I have a lot of wedding videos that we've been making so far. So they would be helpful if you're preparing for a wedding anytime soon. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely get into more of your love story later as we talk about the path that got you here because this <laughs> is about no set path. So let's start at the beginning because you have a whole part of your journey immigrating to the United States mm-hmm. and to pursue your dream. When did your love of storytelling come into play? So this is kind of funny, but when I watched my videos when I was a baby, so my parents took a bunch of videos. They, the new video camera, I think, just came out when I was born. So my parents were using it every day, filmed so much, and I'm glad they did. And what was the new video camera at that time? I don't even know. I don't know the name, but it's a camcorder, you know? Did it have tapes in it? Or <laughs> yeah, was it? yeah, with the tapes. Yeah. And in the video, you can see that I'm reading a book, like a picture book, but I can't read at this age. But I'm just imagining what's happening based on the pictures, and I start like making up stories. So like every page I read I say a new story out loud and my parents told me like ever since I was little I always loved to just create stories and storytelling and I really liked that growing up so I actually thought I wanted to become a writer you know writing stories books but then I grew up in Korea I was born in Seoul Korea and I grew up there but since I was so creative and was into storytelling my parents kind of knew that Korea wasn't the right fit for me because there it's very academic driven you know like it's you're either a scientist, lawyer, doctor, or nothing else, really. And to get into a creative field, it's very hard and not very encouraged. So they knew the right path for me would be to go somewhere where we had more creative freedom, and that was America for them. So I actually moved to America when I was 12. Um, I went to a boarding school for two years. And then after that, when I was 14, I moved to California with my family and went to high school here and attended USC for college. And that's when everything started. So mm. when one I was, thing I want to highlight because yeah. I don't know if you've gotten the chance to talk about this. <laughs> Do you want to share any backstory of your boarding school? And my what? boarding school? Yeah. So I didn't know this at the time, but apparently the boarding school I went, age 12 to 14, was a Scientology school. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, my parents didn't know either. I didn't know, but we found out after I left. <laughs> how, how long after? Um, I would say like a couple of years after. Yeah, because there was nothing that was obvious when I was there. Also, I was too young to realize what would be going on. But all the books that were taught were written by Ron Hubbard. <laughs> So that that should have been the key, but I didn't know who that was, you know? Did your parents know or did they not see the books because they weren't there? No, they had no idea, yeah. Mm, (laughs) And have you reconvened with any of your classmates to discuss this finding? Just one. I still talk to one of them and she's not a Scientologist either. I think she, I don't know if she knew at the time or didn't, but we both laugh about it. Well, it seemed to, have, you guys turned out okay. Yeah, we're normal. <laughs> and didn't know, so. Yeah. Yeah, definitely something unexpected yeah. for, about a boarding school to find out years later. So then you did come to USC and at this point, 
you were deciding between pursuing the pharmacy route. Right. So when I was in high school, um, before USC, I was trying to decide what I want to be and what I want to do in college. And at this time, I still wanted to be a writer, right? Because that was my dream growing up. But then in high school, you have to take an elective class. And I took a video production class because I thought that would be fun. And there I kind of learned, oh, video making is kind of like writing. In, but instead, it's more visual. So I started getting into editing and directing and even acting and all that felt making stuff I was really into it so I thought okay this is maybe my new dream I want to do something relating to video making but I also knew that filmmaking career and entertainment business is just so hard to get into and just um, not stable enough so I so I decided when I was applying for college that I would apply for something stable like pharmacy so I applied to a few pre-pharmacy school and then I applied to a few film schools. So I said, if I'm going to get into the best film school, which is USC, then I will pursue film. But if I don't, I'll prob probably do pharmacy. So first I got into a pharmacy school. It was like a five-year program. I would have died if I went through. But I got into that first. So I thought we were going there. So my family, we all visited the school and everything. We Where thought was we the school? The University of the Pacific. So I think it's in the... I think it's... Uh, where is it? NorCal? Yeah, it's up a little bit from here so we visited there looked at it i thought i was going there all good and then i got an acceptance letter from usc film school so i was like oh wow i got in <laughs> and this is to the film and television production program yes. correct? which is one of the more selective programs yeah. so that was quite an accomplishment to get in yeah i was so surprised and very very happy so i was like okay well i got into the number one film school i have to do it it's my passion and i was very happy about it too and so then i went to usc oh, wait what were your parents they were very happy. Yeah, like, I think they would have been happy either way if I went to pharmacy or film, because pharmacy would be, you know, I would do well, probably, career-wise. And then film, they knew it was the best school, so they were very proud. So they were happy either way, but I was happier to get into film, because that's what I actually wanted to do. Mm. Um, yeah, so then I got in, and in USC, when you do film and TV production, the last two years, you get to decide what two things you really want to focus on. So I focused on directing and editing. That's what I was most into, but especially editing. I really liked editing because, again, that was a form of storytelling. For me, that's when the book was written kind of so I really focused on that liked it and I connected with my editing professor a lot and I learned a lot from her yeah so I really connected with my editing professor one because she was a woman so and there's not a lot of woman editors out there so she taught me a lot in that sense and also some of her technical things like she taught me to she taught me how to crisscross all the audio kind of zigzag them in order to make them more smooth little things like that I learned so much from her and I knew then I wanted to pursue editing further so at USC I practiced a lot of those learned all the skills but we used Avid which is the program that I went back to earlier uh, which you know is a it's a it's an editing program that a lot of people use in the TV industry but not in the digital so I learned that and then after college was when kind of my paths were changing so while I was in college, I did a few internships and I did an internship at Fox Studios in their TV department, but it wasn't editing related at all. It was just whatever job I could get at the moment. So when I graduated, the job I landed there was continuing from my internship. It was working with their data team. Again, not creative at all, not related to editing or any type of actual work. It was more like data analysis, something behind the scenes. And the thing is, though, I still got a job after college, so I was very happy. But I thought to myself, like, okay, this is not what I studied to do. This wasn't film related. I went to a film school to do creative things, not this. So I had that dilemma. And 
at the time, I was looking at BuzzFeed because a lot of people in college were watching BuzzFeed videos and I was just getting into YouTube. YouTube was really big at the time. So this I was, is like 2015. Yeah, 2015. So like YouTube was huge. And I was just getting into watching some YouTube videos, getting to know the digital media. And BuzzFeed was getting big and they were hiring. So and they did like an internship program for people um, who wanted to try out their things. So I applied to the internship program and got in. But then my dilemma was, okay, but I already did the whole internship and did all that low paying free work when I was in college in order to get this job now that I have at Fox. And I was like, do I really want to go back to being an intern? But on the other hand, this is something that I probably want to do, something creative. And at the time, my boss at Fox, his name is John, and I thank him to this day because he's the one who told me, hey, you're still young. And even people who are like over 30, they still end up changing jobs and doing what they want to do. And it's very important to follow what you want to do because it's really never too late to change your job, your career, because you'll always find something new. So I took that advice and I quit Fox and I started my internship at BuzzFeed. And that's where basically my whole career kind of blew up. And I'm very glad I made that change because I don't know what would have happened if I stayed at Fox. How did John, your boss at the time, know? Did, were you, did you feel that you could be open with him about yeah. the opportunity? I was very close to him. Um, so we went to lunches all the time together. And I, you know, he was also kind of young. So we connected very well. And I told him all these things that like how I studied to be in film and I wanted to do something more productive, I mean, more creative and how you know, that I felt like going back to being an intern might be too late for now. And he was like, no, it's not. It's not too late at all. And it wasn't. Do you still keep in touch with him? Yeah, I do. He's invited to my wedding. Oh my (laughs) gosh. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, BuzzFeed, if I remember correctly at the time, they had a very specific pipeline that you went through to work there. Because at the time, BuzzFeed was a really hot digital company. I mean, it's still a huge digital company, but at the time it had a certain... It's like not that good anymore. But, but, you know, at the time it was was still definitely in in growth mode. Yeah. And they put everyone in the same three-month increments. And so that first increment was called an internship. Right. So you had to apply and it was a very competitive program too. You had to apply to be an intern. And if you got accepted, you did a three-month internship there and you had to kind of prove yourself during that time. Like towards the end of the internship, especially you had to produce videos that got over a million views. Um, That was basically the only way you were going to be able to continue. And if you got if you went past the internship then there was a fellowship it was another three-month program only a handful of the interns were picked to be fellows and then after the fellowship three-month program then only a handful of them would be picked to be a full-time employee so it was really really competitive and i think there might have even been a residency leg in there too right yeah yeah yeah. it just depended on uh, which department you were in but the most popular one and the one basically I I try to do was the producing one. So the internship would start and then you would basically work your way up to become a producer. And in BuzzFeed, the term producer didn't mean what you're thinking in TV or film. The producer meant everything. Planning, filming, shooting, directing, sometimes acting, being on camera. All of that was called a producer. So you got the old, it's what a content creator is now. Yeah, a content creator, yes, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I somehow got into that internship, which was great. And I did my three month internship and was able to make the fellowship program. I got lucky because I made this like cat video. Cat videos always did well, right? (laughs) (laughs) That video did really well on Facebook. It got 40 million views. Yeah. (laughs) And on YouTube, it got like 6 million views. So it did great. And that saved me pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, they said, okay, we want YB to make more content like this. So we are selecting her to move forward. Yeah. So a handful of us was uh, we were selected to be fellows. And in that fellowship, 
That was when you're really learning to become a producer then. But I requested, can they do an editing fellowship? Because at this time, I had already expressed my interest that I like editing more than producing. And while I was still down to make videos and be on camera and all that stuff, I knew that my skill set was more in the editing department. And I actually got to work with a few producers that were already big at BuzzFeed and I offered to edit their videos and they liked my editing. So it was working both ways. So at that point, were the producers responsible for producing and editing? And then you came along and said, let me take the editing part off your hands. So at the time, most producers, um, some edited their own videos and some had editors. So the bigger series, bigger shows had editors, but this was kind of in the beginning where we didn't have that many in-house editors yet. Maybe they had freelance editors a lot, but they didn't have like a whole program for editors at the time. So, but we still had a post department. There was a post supervisor, but she usually worked with freelancers and stuff. And I met the post supervisor and told her like, hey, I really want to do full-time editing here rather than producing. And she was like, okay, let's look into that. So then they actually created this editing fellowship for me. And it was me and this other guy, Stephen, who was also very good at editing. He was also in the fellowship program with me, I think. In the program that was created because you requested it. Yeah. So him and I were the first ones to basically do the editing fellowship. And instead of working to become a producer, we worked more with the editing team, how to kind of start build our own in-house editing team at BuzzFeed. And we did that. And once I became a full-time hire after those three months, that's when I got to really work with the big guys. So I worked with Try Guys um, on two videos. I edited two videos for them. I edited this show called Worth It, which was the biggest show at BuzzFeed. It was just people trying different food at different price points. I got to edit a bunch of other shows that were being a regular series on BuzzFeed. So this at this point, I was editing like back and forth all these big series and I was learning so much because these are different from TV, but not so different either. It's actual shows that are shot and scheduled and they have all these crew and everything. And the only difference is that it goes on YouTube rather than on TV. And possibly getting more views as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Worth It at the time was getting 10 million views easily per episode. Mm, yeah. And how long were the episodes? They were, um, they, I would say they were about 30 to 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this was all unscripted content you're editing at BuzzFeed. Yeah, everything at BuzzFeed, they did a few scripted skits, I would say, um, but most were unscripted, which was basically they go out there, shoot kind of like reality TV style, but without the unnecessary added drama, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so then you were at BuzzFeed, you were editing. At this point, you were in the fellowship program. Mm-hmm. When did that convert to becoming a full-time employee? So after three months of the fellowship, I became a full-time editor there. And Was that unprecedented? Um, I guess it just kind of worked out. If we're thinking editing fellowship, there were only two of us because the rest of the fellowship were to become producers. So not all of the producers made it. But for editing, it was just two of us, so we both made it. And I think we were also very good in a sense that we were helping out with the whole shows because all the shows were developing at the time at BuzzFeed not just Try Guys but Worth It, Ladylike all these big shows at the time they all needed editors so this was a good chance for them to build an editing team and we mm-hmm. helped with that so that was great yeah so then we yeah we became full-time we worked there with a bunch of creators and BuzzFeed was just booming it was doing really well until it wasn't <laughs> at some point I think I don't know what happened really with the management or just the company got too big I don't really know 
know the inside details but at some point it started happening that BuzzFeed wasn't doing so well anymore and they had to lay off a bunch of people and we would have these regular layoffs where half the company would get laid off in one day things like that would start happening so everyone was like oh is it still safe to be here and a lot of the creators left at the time and And when you say the creators are these producers or these on-camera talent yes so they're producers most of them were producers but at some point people like the try guys basically became more of a talent than producers because they just had such a big show but they still made their videos they didn't edit or anything but they just they were just so big at the time they were more considered talent Mm. yeah and they started as producers and then made that transition they also i think all started out as probably interns and fellows and then they moved their way up there Mm. yeah okay so you edited a few episodes of the try guys Mm -hmm. talent left try guys decide to leave they bought their name yeah try guys made their own company um, bought their name became second try llc and they were doing well but i i wasn't really connected with them i just worked with them twice at buzzfeed that's all i know they liked my editing style but um i didn't work with them that much to know them personally enough I just knew them kind of. So I thought they were doing well. I remained at BuzzFeed because I was still at this point feeling kind of secure and doing okay. And then one day, this is maybe like a few months after the Try Guys made their own company. Keith, one of the Try Guys, I was Facebook friends with him and he posted a status saying, oh, we're looking for editors. And I commented as a joke. Like I wasn't serious at all. I was like, oh, me, haha. <laughs> but it was a joke. And but then he messaged me privately and said, hey, if you're actually serious, we would love to have you. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I was just kidding. I think I'm going to stay at BuzzFeed for maybe like another year because I'm expecting a promotion and I'm feeling comfortable here. And then he was like, well, whatever they are promoting you will pay you more pretty much wow. <laughs> and I was like oh okay <laughs> so um so then I met with them I talked with them I talked with my boss at BuzzFeed and basically decided to leave BuzzFeed and go to the Try Guys was and this similar to your relationship with John at Fox where you could be completely honest with your boss at BuzzFeed about the opportunity <sighs> so the thing was at this time my original boss the one who hired me in the first place she had left at this point mm. so we had this new supervisor who was on the from a different department so I wasn't that close to her yet she was very nice and everything but i didn't feel close enough that i could tell her i'm going to try guys so i didn't really disclose where i'm going but then everyone found out anyway (laughs) (laughs) so at the end when i was leaving it was all good like they threw a surprise party for me at buzzfeed and like Mm. everyone was so nice um everyone was supportive so it was all good even though in the beginning i felt a little you know scared to say like i'm going to try guys but yeah it all worked out well i left and all in good terms and i went to try guys and from there it's it's basically history i'm there until now and at the beginning it was just me and this other editor so we've been there a long time now and we've been there i think almost almost five years now so longer than i've been at buzzfeed wow yeah i started 2018 so it'll be five years later this year and if i remember correctly you were also proactive you were proactive at every step in this journey uh leaving fox (laughs) talking to your boss there yeah getting the editing fellowship created yeah commenting even though it was a joke that was your initiative (laughs) negotiating those terms telling your boss at buzzfeed and then once you're at the try guys you you took initiative again Mm -hmm. and talked to them about a new you know getting a promotion and yeah a higher title yeah definitely because at try guys it was a new company right there were only maybe 10 of us in the beginning it was a very small company you know we started out editing and 
I asked if we can be on camera more often because I used to do that at BuzzFeed and they let me do that. And eventually we started hiring more editors under us. Um, not many, but now we have at least five to six editors going at the time and sometimes freelancers. So after a few years, I was like, okay, well, is there anything I can move up from here? And then I suggested, can we create senior editor title? And they were like, okay, why don't you write up some responsibilities for the new senior editor? So I did. I wrote up some new things, which was like, oh, whenever we have a new hire, maybe we teach them, we train them. And if the guys are too busy to give notes, we will be the ones who give notes. Mm. So basically they accepted it. And Devlin, who was the other editor who was there from the beginning, him and I became the senior editors. Oh, so he benefited again from I guess taking so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he's he's phenomenal. He's so good. Oh yeah. He of deserves course. it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you took the initiative again yeah. and made that move within Try Guys. Mm-hmm. And what year are we at now? Is this 2018? 20, tw- yeah, so 2018 was when I joined them end of 2018 around September I think yeah so I joined them and again it was a very small company only a few of us working from a house really and after that we just kept getting bigger and bigger in the beginning they were already big right from BuzzFeed they were already big so they already probably had like at least four or five million subscribers from the beginning and they were releasing at the time I don't know if it was two videos a week or one video a week but still with just two editors on the team that's tough you know you gotta get all the videos out in time and make sure that they're good quality so it was a lot of work but it was also fun because just being in that new environment with everyone seemed very close and we got to experiment with different things because they didn't have the BuzzFeed to control them anymore so they could do whatever they wanted yeah yeah so it went really well and now like they got their own office we hired more editors we have a bigger team even though it's still not that many people and it's good to have the freedom because I can really they trust me enough that I can do the edit however I want yeah yeah well because you're basically an extension of them at this point in terms of the creative thinking right like you guys have built enough trust over time and understand each other's tastes Yeah, that's great. I think that's something I hear a lot of YouTubers talk about is being able to find an editor. I think everyone wants someone that just gets it right away. It really takes time to understand each other and and build that trust. Yeah. So I think they lucked out. (laughs) Has anyone else come over from BuzzFeed to work with Try Guys? So the Devlin, the other senior editor, he also used to work with them as a freelancer at BuzzFeed. So he, he had history with them. The others that came... Not the editors. There was one freelance editor who came from the BuzzFeed circle and a few who used to work at BuzzFeed as like other departments, they also joined. So many, yeah. Mm. Many came over. <laughs> and you had requested that to be on camera more, which was important because you were starting your own brand yeah. on camera and your own channel. Yeah. So this was not something that I planned from the beginning. When I joined BuzzFeed, it was mainly to just get into the creative side, to learn editing more, to really start doing official work. But the one of the perks we had at BuzzFeed was that we got to be on camera. Not everyone had to, is if you wanted to, because they would do like taste tests and all these random videos that needed guests to be on. And it was kind of like a casting process. People would send out emails like, hey, we're trying Mexican food today. Who wants to be in a video? And whoever was available would respond and they would, whoever the producer was, would pick the people they wanted to be in the video and say, okay, you're selected, come at 2 p.m. to this stage. And in the beginning, it's harder to be in videos because no one knows you. But luckily, like I got to be in a few videos and the reaction, I guess, was good. So I got to be in more videos. And at BuzzFeed, I kind of got my name known a little bit. And... 
And a lot of the videos I were in were food videos because apparently I can eat a lot of food. <laughs> that was my new talent that was discovered at BuzzFeed. <laughs> so, yeah, so I got to be in a lot of food videos and that's how I got my name kind of known there. And towards the end of BuzzFeed, they started letting us have our own YouTube channel. They didn't approve that before, but towards the end they did. So I made my own YouTube channel and then and then I left BuzzFeed, but I kept that going. I made sure when I went to Try Guys, I was like, hey, can I continue my channel? This is my personal channel, but can I continue posting on it and getting ads on it and they were like yeah that's fine so I kept that going and that started in 2018 too so then it's been almost five years now also <laughs> so your personal channel yeah fit very well with try guys because the brand is consistent across both channels so yeah. people know YB as the try guys editor that right. is also who they're getting on your channel right yeah so sometimes I would do like behind the scenes videos so when I edit a try guys video like big ones like without a recipe people want to know how that's edited and that's interesting to some people so I make a behind the scenes video and people love to see that so there is a lot of connections between our channels but I also do personal things and the things I used to do on BuzzFeed like trying food we Herper and I my fiance and I tried doing kind of international food so we would eat different cultural foods from around the world people like that and also do just regular vlogs now we're doing a lot of wedding prepping videos so they're fun yeah yeah, yeah. okay so let's talk about your pandemic <laughs> what was that like for you you were here in LA yeah so it actually worked out for me perfectly because before the pandemic we would always go into the office everyone went to the office worked there and where was the office so at the time, the office was near Glendale. It was like a little house. We didn't have an actual office. And when the pandemic started, we actually got a big office. But then no one could go in because of the pandemic. Mm. The thing is, whenever we edited in the office, it was a small room filled with people. And we were just in that little room in like a cave with barely any sunlight, just editing <laughs> away all day. And it worked at the time. It was good. There were a lot of benefits to it too. Like we get to see everyone during the day. But once the pandemic started and we started working from home because we had to for a few months at least, I we all started seeing the benefit. Like, wait, we can do all of this at home. We don't have to go into the office. We got a new server. We got hard drives that we didn't have to go into the office anymore. People could upload things to the server or Dropbox. So everything was kind of being done offline. And and once the pandemic ended, we kind of kept that going. And now I work from home full time unless I'm in a video and I have to go in. But that has really helped me just get more things done, waste less time commuting. And it just helps me creatively, too. And you also were able to move into a physically bigger space yeah. with a beautiful view because that's further away from the central hub of L.A. Yeah. So I used to live in North Hollywood because I was close to our office in Burbank, but once we realized we can work from home full-time, I ended up moving to Palos Verdes because my parents are around here too and we just didn't want to be in the city anymore. And that allowed me to do that because I'm working from home. It's very nice. <laughs> yeah, that beautiful house is where we are now recording, which would not be possible in the hustle and bustle of yeah. central LA. And that might be helping with my mental health too, just being able to have my own calm space and be by myself while working rather than being in a room with a bunch of people. Yeah, especially for an editor, I could definitely see that. Because yeah. I think for a lot of people in roles that are more interpersonal, it gets exhausting meeting on Zoom all day. But you really need to have your own space yeah. with no distractions so you can focus on the edit. Yeah. What things do you think you learned in formal education versus things that you had to learn through real world experience? I think formally, and that's talking about college mainly, it was 
a lot of technical stuff. So Avid, while I don't use it as much anymore, I think it's very crucial that I learned that because that just made every editing program that I had to learn after so much easier. Mm. So all the technical things, making shortcuts and cross-crossing the all the audio files all these little skills that only the teacher could teach me i learned so much from there that i use to this day and i teach other people as well now too to use that technique um and i guess just being in that environment because now i would probably never find myself in a 12 hour 16 hour shoot but in college we did many times kind of because we also had to and also because there were student films being made that we wanted to participate in. And I'm so happy I had that experience because now I know how it happens in different departments as well. And I have the flexibility to, let's say, if I ever wanted to be on set on Try Guys or on another shoot, then I know what to expect. So those things I all learned formally. And after college, when I actually started doing like a real life job, that's when I learned all the important things that I use to this day, which is the new programs, how to deal with different people, how to work for people and how to learn some people's styles. In college, you kind of just do whatever the teacher tells you to do. You know, you copy their style or you watch a movie and you try to replicate it kind of thing. But when you go into real life, into real work, and especially if you're working in digital media, you have to follow these people's styles. They have their own personality that's built up throughout years on camera and the audience expects that. So you learn kind of what what captivates the audience and how to keep them interested and how to follow these styles without taking away too much of your creativity. Mm. So really now like because i've worked with them so long i know ex- i know exactly what kind of jokes to use what kind of length to put in how to capture the audience all these things yeah definitely where in the world are i mean i guess the try guys fans also your fans people that connect with your content yeah yeah there's there's a lot of overlap in fans because yes. a lot of my fans especially came from buzzfeed too so they all know mm. the try guys and where in the world are they are you ever talking to people who live across the world maybe it's yeah it's actually crazy because i think digital that's another thing with digital like everyone around the world can see them so you would think it's oh maybe it's just la people who know me but then i've had times when i went to europe and people recognize me wow yeah and i'm sure try guys they get recognized everywhere yeah yeah what is that like for you personally to have people know you yeah. when you don't know them i i think it's really cool i mean it's not so big that everyone is gonna see me so that's kind of nice i like where i am now where only like a handful of people know me so that i can still go out and do my things without everyone like seeing me but at the same time i still get like once in a lifetime or once in a while someone says oh my god i love your videos and you know that's great to hear so i think where i am now i'm very satisfied i couldn't probably handle being so famous like the try guys or something Mm -hmm. then i don't know how they go grocery shopping for example so i mean it sounds like people that approach you are pretty chill yeah they're usually really chill and they're all like our age and respectful so i've been very lucky um the only times i was kind of oh was when i would go out with friends to clubs or bars and i'm actually drunk and then when people see me there and i'm like oh i'm not myself right now (laughs) but oh yeah that was the only time i was kind of like oh i wish no one saw me but most of the time it was great Mm. yeah And I know you said you basically been dating Herbert, your fiance, Mm -hmm. throughout the entirety of building your personal brand, which you mentioned in our our own conversations previously may have impacted the way that fans interacted with you or what they expected to get out of interacting with you or being a fan of yours. 
Um, how do you think that your relationship has impacted your content? And also, how does Herbert feel about being in these videos, about yeah. your presence online? So for sure, being in a relationship since the beginning of my uh, being on the internet really helped because if you're single from the beginning, then yeah, people have expectations that you either remain single or that you're available for them or all these things. But for me, when I started at BuzzFeed, I was already with Herbert and that I think kind of pictured everyone's head that like, oh, this is a couple rather than it's a single person who is on camera for us. So that really helped kind of take out the creepiness factor. I'm sure there's still some, like I have creepy people, you know, post comments and like send pictures and stuff. That I think that happens to everyone, but it was limited because everyone knew that I was in a relationship. So that was good for me. For Herbert, it was definitely something new because he was, he's never been on camera before. And it's actually funny when you watch our old BuzzFeed videos, both him and I are so bad on camera. We're so awkward. And, uh, it's funny to watch, but I think that actually also helped Herbert too, just being more confident on camera and just learning how to talk well because English also isn't his first language. So mm. by doing these things, he got way more comfortable. If you see our videos now, you can see he's cracking jokes. He's comfortable on camera. He's actually so good now. <laughs> so both of us just improved a lot through this process. And there's pros and cons. Like now when we have to film one YouTube video a week that could be annoying for Herbert I see that because it's kind of an obligation but we've achieved more positive things than annoying I would say for example for the wedding planning we kind of made it a thing so that every month we do at least one wedding planning video and that actually helped us plan the wedding because otherwise we wouldn't have done all these things in detail and when we watch back now we have memories and it's mm. really great <laughs> yeah there's the accountability of needing to get it done and now you have it all documented yeah so like whenever we travel we started doing vlogs and we would have never done it before but now we like to watch them back yeah, it's, it's like amazing. we're living the moment. Yeah, and if yeah. you ever make a, if you ever make a documentary, you're gonna have so much great source yeah, material, right? Already and, edited by a network level editor, right? And also, we do pet videos. It's so cute. When we first got Coco, our cat, he's our pandemic cat. We started documenting the experience, and we have like five pet videos now, and they're so cute. We like watch them all the time. Yeah, yeah. and for anyone listening who might feel self conscious on camera, I think what you shared about becoming more comfortable is really valuable because I think that there's this attitude that you're just a natural, you yeah. know, for something personality-based, it's you have it or you don't. Whereas like so many other disciplines in film, it sounds like this is something that if you put time into, you can actually become good at. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah, you were... I mean, maybe some people are natural on camera. I definitely wasn't. I felt so awkward. I Even now, I stutter all the time. And most of those are edited, you know? So when you see someone being perfect on camera, a lot of them are edited. They edit out all the ums and like, like, <laughs> and you have to practice it. But once you get used to it, you, it really is just like talking to a friend. That's how I see it. Mm. So it's not something that you will be good from the beginning. That's okay. As long as you keep doing it and you actually like it, you shouldn't force yourself for sure. But if you actually like the process, you'll get good at it. Something else I want to briefly talk about is navigating tough situations at work when you are all in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. Relatively recently, yeah. the, the Try Guys were in the spotlight because there was kind of a shakeup among their members. There was uh -huh. some interpersonal conflict. So all of a sudden there was a spotlight on some things that were potentially unflattering about things going on at the company. And 
because you worked there, you were often drawn into this. Yeah. What was that like? And what would your advice be to someone navigating some tough situations at work when there's the spotlight put on some negative details? Yeah, it was definitely a first, I would say, because it's never been so that like the try guys have been big, but never so big that SNL is making a skit about them. And the New York Times is writing an article like what? <laughs> I don't even understand how it got that big in the first place. But when it happened, I think having a support system was the most important. Someone to just talk to. For me, it was like Herbert, my friends, my family. Just knowing that all these people online who are so interested all of a sudden are just in for the gossip. They really are. They want to know what's going on. They want to maybe comment a few things. And then in a, in a few months or maybe weeks, they will go away. That was kind of the mindset. So I wasn't too crazily stressed about it. Of course, it bothered me that, you know, every every few seconds I was getting a notification about a comment and I could have disabled comments which you can do when you're in that kind of situation I didn't because I just didn't want to kind of give that kind of response at all I wanted to be present for people that were there for me but also not be too involved so my advice if you're ever finding yourself in some kind of negative spotlight or just in a spotlight in general you're uncomfortable with try to distance yourself you don't you know you know you don't have to post anything but you can regularly if you want to just do whatever you would regularly do in the case but also talk to your support group talk to your friends about it and don't take it too seriously because in a few weeks that's gonna literally go away mm. yeah and it did it really went away so fast as fast as it, as it happened mm. yeah and, you know, you can even have some fun with it. We made jokes about it after. <laughs> I think that's a good way to deal with it. Just poke fun at it. Yeah, not let it have the weight. Yeah. And luckily, I wasn't I wasn't too involved in the personal situation. So that helped me kind of dissociate more. That like, oh, even if these people are mistaking me for something, it's not actually me. So it's fine. But it definitely was a lot to see the whole world kind of start coming to your page and your friends' pages. And this is because people were confusing you with someone else who had done some things that were unflattering. Yeah, so yeah, some people confused me with another person. And then also because I was so involved with the company, I was on camera a lot. Mm. They just connected me to the whole scandal. And I mean, that was expected. So nothing surprising there. But I was surprised at how big it got. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have to be honest, YB, I, I feel like generally you are one of the most at peace and happy people that work in entertainment and I really mean that because I think that there's I, I deal with this myself I'm sure some people listening do as well and people that we've talked to in uh, upcoming interviews there's this constant sense of I don't have this this isn't enough this yeah. drama is taking over my whole life and I feel like you have this very zen <laughs> attitude about everything do you notice that is it really natural or what things are you doing to keep up that positive mentality I think I, you know, I definitely have bad moments. You know, I, I have moments that I'm thinking, oh my God, I wish this wasn't happening, all that. But most of the times I always try to focus on the positive things. And I have been doing this since I was younger too. I was always kind of getting, trying to get excited for the next thing. So right now it's the wedding, right? And then after that, maybe I'm excited for the honeymoon. And after that, it's this new project I get to work on. Or if I really worked on a hard video, then I'm very excited for it to go out and see people's reactions so I try to focus on the excitement after and the good things that come out of it even with the scandal I'm like oh well from this the company will get bigger and you know that's the positive
positive and okay SNL wrote a skit about us that means we're that big stuff like that and and then you see like the people who are supporting you and that really helps having supportive fans and friends everyone who's saying nice things and being there for you those help me too so it's easier to say you know always think the positives but really just try to think about the achievements you made so far be proud of yourself and be excited for the next big thing I think that really helps me keep going Mm. yeah just think about the things you've achieved that that alone should make you feel happy enough you know like you graduated college that's great you got into USC that's amazing you got a job after that that's awesome you know (laughs) you say like it's so easy I feel like you have an appreciation for things that other people take for granted or their hedonic set point just gets reset to a new high every time it's hard to be appreciative so it it sounds like you have a lot of gratitude and people you know they judge themselves too hard I think they have so such high goals that if they don't achieve it they feel like like they haven't done it, they've failed or something. But you've, everyone has done something that's great, you know, like rather it's just graduating college or getting a job and they should really be proud of that. Think mm. like you're your parents. <laughs> what do you mean? Like think, okay, if I told this to my mom, wouldn't they be proud? <laughs> kind of thing. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely would. <laughs> that's what I think. I'm just like trying to be proud every time. Definitely. Okay, so the wedding, by the time this is released, <laughs> that's only a few days away. Oh my God. And Herbert's been with you through basically all of this, like you said. Yeah. Do you want to share a little bit about your love story? Yeah. So how we met is not that romantic. <laughs> we met at USC at a, at the 90, the college bar at USC. <laughs> if you went to USC, you'll know this is the well, most it, it janky. was the only bar. I mean, g- kids, if you're at USC now, there, yeah. there's a Rock and Riley's there. There's so many options. At the <sighs> time, the 90 was the the only, the solitary option. Literally the only thing you could go to after 12. Yeah. Yeah, because everything would close then. So yeah, we were at the 90. We met there after my midterms or finals or something and he's from Germany so he was doing an exchange program and then we met hung out a few times and he actually went back to Germany and this was back in 2014 long time ago so we met then he went back to Germany I thought I'd never see him again I was like cool (laughs) Uh, and then a year later he came back for another semester so I was like oh great and then we started hanging out more and then when it became 2016 I went to Germany with him for the first time and that's when we became official Boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah, boyfriend and girlfriend. And since he was not an American citizen, we had a lot of issues with long distance and he had to get a visa and he got a job in Florida. So we did long distance for two years. We had a lot of things like that that were annoying, but eventually it all worked out. He lives with me now in L.A. and... That's great. And how did he propose? <laughs> he proposed. Uh, so we go to Germany every year for Christmas. And no, last, last Christmas when we were in Germany, we went to this uh, water park resort. It's like a indoor indoor facility where they have palm trees. So since Germany is so cold in the winter, they have this indoor resort where it's kind of set up like it's a summer with pools, lazy rivers and palm trees, all stuff like that. So we went there because we went there before the year before as well. And then he came with his friends. He hid his friends. I didn't know his friends were there. And then at night he proposed and his friends popped up and I was like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So it was cute. So you were surprised. I was surprised. Well, I knew that he was going to propose around that time because I was just being nosy I just kept asking and then he was like no but I could tell you you know when guys are lying you can tell <laughs> so I knew it was coming I just didn't know that day <laughs> mm. yeah and were the friends from Germany or from the US yeah, yeah they're his German friends but they've I've known them pretty well because they visited us a lot in LA mm. yeah 
This was a nice surprise. Yeah. Okay, so before we get to the time capsule segment, if you were talking to someone who is just getting started and doing what you do, and yeah. I know there's there's two answers to this because one would be, you know, editing for a YouTube channel or even going to Networks TV. And the second would be being a content creator and building your own brand and channel. What would you tell someone starting out on those goals? So whatever you're doing, if you're trying to enter the entertainment business, first do things that you would like. So building experience and connections is very important. But at the end of the day, you have to kind of like the projects. Otherwise, you're not going to be as into it. You're not going to be as passionate. And what I learned, especially when I had to switch from Fox to BuzzFeed and kind of start from internship again was even though I kind of went backwards, if you're thinking about rankings and stuff, I had so much more fun at BuzzFeed because I was doing actually what I wanted to do. And the creative field was what I wanted. So make sure before you even get into all of that, you choose something that you will like that you will be passionate about and if you don't know what you want that's fine too you can try a bunch of things before just my biggest advice is it's not too late to change it anytime Mm. even if you're in late 30s or 40s it doesn't matter if you found something that you're really into you should do it you should go for it and that's how you will boom and that happened to me too even though I was still young I thought at the time I was too old to change you know because I was like I already did the internship I don't want to do it again but it wasn't and I'm telling you when wherever you are it's not too late if you want to change your path start something new you can always do that and once you get into that path then you start focusing on the details so for me it was I wanted to do editing and then you start making the moves so you can stand up for yourself only so really ask those questions ask for raises ask for different ideas or different programs for you because if you don't ask it's not gonna happen Mm. and that really helped me too even at buzzfeed coming with my editing fellowship at try guys building this whole senior editor thing for me you kind of have to do it yourself so stand up for yourself do what you want and really focus on that passion and then by then i think you will already know what you want to do So would you say that applies to both the editing side and the creator side? Or what would you say to creators starting out? Because I know you're also, you've been good about securing brand deals. Since very early on in your channel, what would your advice be for someone who's interested in doing that? If you're trying to be a content creator, there are so many different apps now that you can do it. So there's really a lot of ways you can do. And I'm only really experienced in YouTube but even with the content stick to a format that you're comfortable with that you can do more Uh, for me it was a lot of food and lifestyle stuff and once you have the passion that something you're into you could be makeup if you're really into makeup tutorials you can do that if you're into food videos or if you're into horror crimes you can get into that but pick a genre or something that you're really into and keep that going because once you establish your brand then you can kind of start trying different stuff but people will come for you for that specific thing whether it's makeup, beauty, or lifestyle. So pick something that you know that you will like, that you will for sure want to keep going on and try to dedicate your whole thing into it. Then And don't worry about brand deals from the beginning. That come later. Mm. So first establish yourself. First try to enjoy what you're making and doing and the audience will naturally come to you. So it actually does sound kind of similar. like similar advice. Yeah. yeah, just finding what you're passionate about and sticking with it. Yeah. Great stuff. I kind of think I already know the answer to this question, but <laughs> were there moments that you wanted to give up and in those moments, what kept you going? Um, in editing or content creating? In any point in your career. Um give up no yeah, I kinda, that's what <laughs> yeah. I but there's definitely moments where like 
if the video I'm editing is take up too much time and I'm working late and I'm tired. I mean, those things happen in every job though. You're tired after long work. You don't want to do it again the next day. These things happen to everyone, I think. So in that case, it's, I mean, you know, you just got to deal with it. <laughs> and hopefully the next project you're working on is more fun and more enjoyable. I never had a time where I was like, I'm going to give up everything. But when I have those hard times, I just try to take a break, relax, um, eat some of my favorite food, <laughs> do some something fun that weekend and a kind of reset you know that's really take a nap if you can if you can work from home like me that's great you can take a nap <laughs> okay great so now we can get into the time capsule segment this is to freeze this moment in time as look at your past present and future Ooh. so past if you could write a letter to yourself 10 years ago uh-huh. what would you say 10 years ago what was i doing 10 years ago so you would have been finishing your freshman year at college oh wow um well <laughs> Does it have to be work related? No. Okay. No. Well, YB, have fun <laughs> because the parties are not gonna last forever. <laughs> There's a pandemic coming. <laughs> so enjoy yourself while you can and have all the fun. Build a lot of connections, make more friends, and try to enjoy what you're doing because college is really fun. And you definitely made the most of that too. Yeah. You know, it wasn't. The film program at USC can be very demanding, but you yeah. need time for those other interests. I really went out a lot in college, and I'm happy <laughs> I did. I, I loved going to festivals. I still do. I don't go as much anymore, but like back in college, I did something fun every weekend, and I don't regret that at all because it's not like I missed out in school. I still did all my work. Yeah. Yeah, but I might have not done as many, you know, student projects and stuff like that, but I think having fun is also very important. Mm, yes yeah. yeah and it worked out perfectly for you yeah. otherwise too would that advice change to your former self if this was five years ago so now we're looking at 2018 this is right when you were quitting buzzfeed to join yeah. try guys well great choice leaving buzzfeed and going to try guys because after a while buzzfeed is gonna lay off everyone <laughs> uh so keep doing well on try guys and maybe maybe i could have told myself to put a little more work on the youtube channel because i feel like i could have done more then but also i think again enjoying yourself is the most important so if you are enjoying yourself at the time keep it going mm. yeah okay going on to the present what is your favorite song right now favorite song what's like what's out right now i don't listen to the radio anymore there's i always nothing. listen to spotify yeah there's nothing that you're just hitting repeat on on spotify not really i just like the i can i like the pop remix playlist on spotify okay <laughs> so spotify sponsor YB's, yeah, cha- right? yb's channel what is the best movie you've seen in the last year movie best i just saw screams i think it was a six that was really good I think I'm going to start watching all the old screams because I've only seen a few of them, but it was so good. So I like that. I like a lot of TV shows right now. I'm watching White Lotus. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, Succession's really good. And Game of Thrones is over, but that was my favorite show. It ended pretty bad, but the new one, the House of the Dragons is really good. That's ongoing. So yeah, HBO Max has been doing well lately. So who are some editors whose work you've liked recently? So right now I'm super inspired by this movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once. It's a new movie that came out and swept all the awards. And the editor, Paul Rogers, is I mean, you should see the movie to really see it, but the movie is amazing. The way they edited it is so crazy and trippy and it just gets all the stories done correctly. And that's my inspiration. I also have high respect for my our other editor, Devlin, at Try Guys. He's so good. I'm trying to learn every day from him. Mm-hmm. So even now, even though I've been in the industry for like 
ever now not ever but how many years has it been it's not since 10 years. graduating seven so even though i've been in the industry for like seven years i'm still learning new things every day and even from my fellow editors from my team and from watching other tv shows and movies i really learn new things every day so that doesn't stop and i think that keeps my career and everything else so interesting because i feel like there's still so much to learn and so many different things to try and different even when i'm editing a video at try guys it could be a different genre and it's a documentary instead of a comedy video and I get to try something new. All of these are so exciting and fun. Appropriate for a try, guys. Yeah, trying. <laughs> <laughs> what food or drink item are you currently obsessed with? I love anything noodles, but I love Korean food. So Korean ramen is the best. So I, I would say ramen is my favorite. I could eat that every day. <laughs> what is the latest item in your home that you are the most excited about? Latest item? Yeah, so that could be your work from home station. That could be, you know, you recently moved into a bigger house. Is there something that you have? That oh, you my couch. <laughs> I recently moved into a bigger house and we got a new couch. It's not on sale anymore, but it's from Ashley Furniture. But it's this giant couch. It's so comfortable. It's kind of a dupe of the cloud couch that everyone has. But that, that one is like super expensive. This one was not cheap either, but this is cheaper and it's great. I could sleep on it and lay on it. It's amazing. <laughs> Who are your pets right now? I have three pets, Louis, Tyrion, and Coco. So Louis and Tyrion are the OGs. They're eight years old. They'll be nine this year. So they were with me since USC, long time ago. Tyrion was my first cat. I got her when I was in an apartment at USC and they kicked her out because they found out we're not supposed <laughs> to have a cat. <laughs> so we brought her to my mom's and then and then I took her after I graduated. Louis, he's a husky. Um, he I got him after two like two months after Tyrion. We also had him at my parents and then I took him once I graduated. Coco, again, it's a pandemic cat. Yeah, got him in 2020 and he's a cutie. <laughs> what are your favorite editing tools? This can be software as well as hardware. Um, Premiere Pro, I think it's the best pro program ever to edit on. It's easy. You can get a lot of stuff done. It's simple and fast. Also because I just had to go back to Avid for the Food Network show and it was horrible. So I don't know why people still use Avid. <laughs> and you're, you're saying this is someone that's well-versed in both at this point. Yeah, like you I have can... the Final Cut, Avid, Premiere, everything. And I think Premiere is the best, but people can fight me, you know? Why, what are your reasons? Okay, give, give me the weapons. When it's people... just simpler. It's more modern, I would say. So like everything on Avid, I mean, you can do everything the same on Avid, but there's just so many more like little clicks you have to do. And even the design, I don't know. I feel like Premiere just is so much newer. And even like... This is little things, but when you do ins and outs, you know, the in and out points yeah. and Premiere is I and O makes sense in and out on Avid. It's like the this weird, like simple thingy. Oh. <laughs> it's like, why don't you make I and O <laughs> you know? <laughs> and cut, you know, a C in Premiere. But in Avid, it was like, I forgot what it was. Something else. Not it's a different key, right? It's yeah. like you have Avid keyboard covers. Right. And you yeah. can change it. You can personalize it, but it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I love Premiere. I see why TV still uses Avid because you can like share different editors, editing base and stuff. But I think everyone should move to Premiere. And also I highly recommend Ball Mouse for editors this is the one i have i have the one from kensington it gets pretty cheap you can get on amazon but ball mouse really helps with editing because your wrist isn't as moving as much when you're editing you can just use your fingers and it just makes things a lot faster mm. yeah we're sitting in yb's office recording this so yeah. she's pointing to her kensington ball mouse <laughs> what is the most recent lesson that you learned in working on video um the most recent lesson i learned i guess 
Less than, I don't know, maybe. So I'm learning a lot about wedding planning right now and little things where you can save money because that's weddings are expensive. And I'm learning that buffets are cheaper than plated meals. And I actually like buffets more because you can eat more. You know, every wedding I've been to where it's plated, I was always hungry after. So I would prefer buffets. And also the welcome signs and stuff, you can save money by designing your own on like, you can, there's a lot of design websites like Canvas or I think edit.org is what I'm using to design my seating chart. There are so many different templates you can use and you can print them on like staples or something on a foam board and you can save a ton of money doing that. But also if you want to be fancy, you can go to Etsy and they have a lot of cute things that are already made. Like I'm getting a welcome sign that's acrylic, kind of like a mirror so people can take a picture in front of it. So there's a lot of little things that once you get into wedding planning that you will learn where to get each things. Perfect. Yeah, I guess that is something you really can't learn until you're doing it yeah. as well. Who <laughs> would be the dream collaborators for you in the future collaborator um i would love to meet the creators from the everything everywhere all at once movie because they i just want to understand how they came up with that concept mm. it's crazy <laughs> so let's name names here so not just paul rogers so you'd want to meet the daniels I and work meet with the them daniels yeah i want to learn from them <laughs> yeah i do want to work with them yeah, paging paul rogers slash the daniels yb is ready yeah <laughs> What are your current interests or hobbies outside of work? Right now, wedding planning. <laughs> That's yeah. literally my whole life. <laughs> Every free time I have is wedding planning. Mm. But, you know, you can say my YouTube channel is kind of a hobby because I do it once a week and it is enjoyable, even though I have to do it every week. But we get to come up with different ideas every week, whether it's trying different foods or we go somewhere and do like a travel vlog. Those are all fun. Mm. That's still work, though. What it is, is work. What are the things, maybe hobbies are the things that you're doing in the videos, like trying different foods and traveling yeah and also you know i tried to do i decided doing oh i started doing this like vr workouts we have this vr set and it's so cool there's an app called supernatural it's a workout app but it's really really cool you should try it okay yeah i'm down <laughs> vr workouts yeah yeah that definitely is a time stamp for this year because i don't know if you remember the wii workouts and play tennis yeah. on the wii, all that yeah. good stuff yeah the pandemic basically started it right all the workouts at home yeah and vr workouts are sick <laughs> okay so moving on to the future section five years from now where do you imagine you will be living i i would imagine i'm in palos verdes um maybe in a house different house i don't know Possibly with kids at this time, maybe one or two. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. And what do you think? Your do you have any predictions on where you will land on your kid's name? Is it YB Junior? Oh, I have no idea what the names. I mean, but I want a daughter. That's for sure. <laughs> so not Herbert Junior. No, maybe one. Like one, one boy, one girl would be great. <laughs> okay. Your prediction. My what? prediction. You're gonna hopefully. have six sets of twins. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that you hope will have been invented five years from now? Invented? I I would hope that they invent a faster plane, but I know it's bad for the environment. So probably not. They could have already, right? But it's bad for the environment. I actually don't know. I feel maybe we can just hope for teleporting. Completely yeah, teleporting. 100% eco-friendly teleporting. Yes, that would be great. I would love to get to a place, especially now that I'm kind of farther away from the city, just getting into places so hard. So faster transportation, whether it's teleporting or flying, I would love to fly. I know it's not going to happen in five years, but maybe. <laughs> my dream actually is flying. You know that? No. Like my dream is to fly. Like in my actual dreams while sleeping, I fly all the time. How far up are you? Uh, like on top of the buildings. Like I use uh, my arms to fly. We need to get you paragliding. 
I do. But I want to actually fly. Yeah, I don't know. Someone get on this. Paul yeah. Rogers again. Just kidding. <laughs> Help me to fly. Or the VR set. Maybe it'll yeah. come further away. True, true. And I do want to also explore the ocean. This is so random, but I want to do scuba diving because I did it in Hawaii uncertified and I almost died. But I want to learn it for real. Wait, what do you mean you, you did it uncertified? So in Hawaii, when we were there, we... You know those like things you pay money and you can go on this like yeah you know snorkeling scuba diving so I think they said you need to have experience but we just lied and said we did didn't think it was that important <laughs> and they didn't check so we went out to the ocean with a bunch of other families and stuff and they put this like wetsuit on and all these like equipment on and I start freaking out I'm like wait this is heavy I don't know what to do and they're explaining like okay like you can't just go up straight because your brain will burst whatever and you have to do all these like to keep the water out all these details I'm learning last minute and I'm like oh shit, this is a lot it's not easy and then they're like okay so go in the water and I got in the water and I'm like freaking out right so I'm like I don't think I can do this and you have to breathe through your nose and no, you have to breathe through your mouth the whole time and I couldn't do that either so I was like I don't think I can do it <laughs> oh my gosh, why yeah, I was freaking out I was crying and the instructor was like no you can do it you can do it I believe in you <laughs> and I was like okay so I'm, I like stop crying I go underwater what? yeah I did it and I was like so focused on breathing the whole time I couldn't even enjoy myself but I did it <laughs> yeah I can't believe this instructor just said I'm I so know. surprised because then you know when you take courses they, yeah. they start you you know in a classroom and then I you're know. in a pool and wow but you did it I did it but I want to do it like for real I want to take the lessons get actually good at it because I'm sure it was beautiful I just didn't get to enjoy it mm. <laughs> yeah did you feel any sense of accomplishment I was just happy to be alive <laughs> that is an accomplishment yeah <laughs> Um, so maybe some tools hopefully will have been invented yeah, in five years. Yeah, so hopefully years. I can fly and scuba dive. Okay, simultaneously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the year is 2028. Where is the sixth season of White Lotus set? Oh, God, 2028. White Lotus, it will be in... They would have done all the famous places by then, so it would be somewhere low-key. Maybe it'll be in, like... Somewhere random, like Antarctica. Mm. <laughs> you know, they spin it off a little bit to make it impossible. <laughs> Nothing out there. Yeah. yeah. Okay, the year is 2028. What is the name of Joe's girlfriend in the reboot of you? Oh, if it still continues by then, I feel like it'll be canceled by then. No, I will. That's what I'm saying. It's the reboot. Oh, it's so the reboot. they're bringing it back. It's been dead for a few years. Okay. No pun well, intended. Then they better bring back love because she was the best. Oh, so you want a recurring character. Yeah. Okay. No, she was so good. And then they like put her out and I want her again. Mm, okay. So bring back love. Paging yeah. Victoria Pedretti. Yes. I love her. <laughs> Come on back. Or yeah. maybe collaborate with YB on something. Yes. <laughs> okay. Five years from now, what is the name and breed of your newest pet? Newest pet? Oh, well, hopefully that... Oh, well, hopefully I don't have a new one because that means that one of ours will be dead. No, no, no. it's a bonus pet. Okay. It's a bonus pet. What? It's not well, like they're when older you... now, so. Yeah, but when you got Coco, it's not like, you That's know, Louie went away. Okay, yeah. if I got a new pet, it would be named. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it would be a good name. Would you want a fish? No. <laughs> it's definitely not a fish. A fish. I feel like it's just low maintenance, you know? Yeah, but it it would just be a dog or a cat. I don't think I want anything else. It's just too much work. Mm, a fish is more work than a dog? Probably not, but then it's Probably. just like I have to get extra food now. <laughs> that is true. It's harder to take on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so no new pets. No new pets. 
What is your five-year wedding anniversary gift for Herbert? Oh, it's going to be a trip because we like trip gifts and maybe we're going to go to... Okay, so our five-year anniversary, I would love to have a trip and we go to Maldives because I really wanted to go for our honeymoon, but the weather's not good around this time of the year. And also it's so far, I think it's like over 20-hour flight. Wow. Yeah, so you would really need to plan that. And right now we have so many things that we can't go. So it would be Maldives and it would be like a week there. It would be great. Looking forward to seeing that all documented yeah. as well five years from now. Well, YB, thank you for speaking with me today. If people want to find your channel, your Instagram, your work on the Try Guys, all of the above, where can they go? So you can go to my YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash official. There's all my personal videos and also I have a playlist there edited by me. And you'll see all the videos I edited both at BuzzFeed and Try Guys. So you can check them out. So that's the letter Y, the letter B, and then C-H-A-N-G. An official official yeah youtube.com slash yb chang official yes all right check it out and leave yb some comments letting her know how amazing she was in this Uh, episode of the show yb thanks so much for joining me today thank you for having me here is a recap of some takeaways from my conversation with yb one it's never too late to change careers two struggling with a skill like being on camera in the beginning is not an indicator of the potential for long-term success if you like the process you'll get good at it Three, if you find yourself in a negative spotlight, distance yourself, remember that with little time, this will blow over and tap into your support system. Four, if you are feeling stuck or unsatisfied, take time to reflect on what you have already accomplished. Thinking like your loved ones would about your achievements can help you stay positive while navigating the next steps. Five, pursue what you're really passionate about, even if it means temporarily taking a step back. Six, ask for raises, ask about new ideas, and ask for programs to help you advance. If you don't ask, it's not going to happen. Seven, if you're going into content, start out with the main genre you're passionate about, then try different things once you've established your brand. And eight, make time to enjoy life. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of No Set Path. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate it and share it with a friend, especially if you can think of someone who might benefit from the knowledge that was shared here today. You can keep up with the podcast on all social platforms at No Set Path Show or on the website at www.nosetpathshow.com. Thanks so much for being part of this community and we'll talk to you soon.